It's that time, the Betting Predators podcast, where our main objective is hunting down the best bets for you. I'm your host, Sleepy J. You guys can find me on Twitter at SleepyJ underscore pregame. Joined here by the stats and analytics information guru, Mackenzie Rivers. You guys can find him on Twitter as well, at Mac and Rivers. And you can find us both on the best sports betting information site on the web, pregame.com. All right, Mackenzie, here we go. Thursday night football. We've been pretty good with our Thursday night football games. This week, we got the Carolina Panthers. They'll be on the road at the Houston Texans, Carolina. They're going to come into this one with a 2-0 record on the seasons. The Texans, they're 1-1. Panthers got both wins of the season against the Jets and the Saints. Houston, they get a win against the Jaguars and a loss last week. But a pretty good effort, I would say, for the Texans as they played a pretty good game against the Cleveland Browns. Line in this game, they have the Panthers favored, minus 7.5, minus 8, over and under total on this one. 43 is pretty much the consensus. Let's go ahead and bring Mackenzie Rivers in for the first question. Mackenzie, the line in this game right now, minus 7.5, minus 8. Do you feel that that's the correct line for this game? With a super low total in 43, and shout out to us grabbing that over 43, which was a ridiculously low total last Thursday night. But the 7.5, the 8 is a lot. When it's a low total... You got to separate by a touchdown plus. It's a lot, but I don't think it's necessarily enough when you look at just how bad Davis Mills was compared in the second half last week compared to Taylor. This wasn't a team that had much going for it in the first place, and they lost the guy that, you know, small sample size, but number one in the league in QBR, 85, a little bit better than Aaron Rodgers did last season. That's how good Tyrod Taylor was statistically. Through the first game and a half, he's not going to be there this week. And depressingly for the Texans, he's not going to be there for the next three. You know, Mackenzie, in my opinion, I don't think this line is anywhere close to being right. So let me just go ahead and say this. You know, the sports books, they're not always right when the beginning of the season comes out. You know, it takes time for the lines. It takes time for the betters, you know, to go ahead and start shaping the numbers and getting a good feeling for these teams. And at this number right now, I just don't understand how it's actually correct. I think it's tough, you know, to go ahead and get a real handle on who these teams are, you know, within the first couple of weeks. I think this one certainly is lined incorrectly. Mackenzie, I do have a trivia question for you. I think it's going to kind of set the stage for our handicap here. First question. Now, no looking, Mackenzie, because I know that you can go ahead and you could type in your computer there and get the answer probably pretty much instantly. But I honestly, I want your best guess here, Mackenzie, because I think it's going to lay down a little bit of the landscape on what we want to go ahead and talk about here. Davis Mills, actually, actually, let me start with this. If you hear somebody talk about the Texans and they say that the backup quarterback Davis Mills is starting this week, immediately go ahead and correct them. Davis Mills is the third string quarterback. He's not the backup. All right. So let's just start with there. So Mackenzie, let's go ahead and do this. All right. Davis Mills and Trevor Lawrence, they both entered college the same year. And both guys entered the NFL the same year. So, Mackenzie, I'll ask you this. Trevor Lawrence, how many games has he played? Now, let's count preseason. Let's count the two games in the NFL this season. How many total games do you believe he's played since his last snap in high school? All right. He didn't get to start his first game and a half, I think, as a freshman. Uh, I forgot who, who was there, but he got knocked out and Lawrence was the replacement. So 14 games, and I think he played about 14 the next two years. 14 or 15, I'll say 14, so that's 42 plus the five of NFL football. 47 would be my guess. 
All right, you're pretty damn close, Mackenzie. I came up with 45, and my math is probably not anywhere near as good as yours, so let's just cut it down the middle. We'll say 46 games, all right? Same question, Davis Mills. How many games do you think he's played since his last snap in high school? Not as familiar as I am with the Phenom and Lawrence. Mills, I'm just going to guess he didn't start because most freshmen don't for his first year and a half or two years, so I'm going to say 30. Two years of football. All right, the t- correct answer for Davis Mills is 18 total games. Ooh. So I'm curious if that's a concern for you, the fact that this kid's played 18 games since high school. You know, Trevor Lawrence, the number one pick, has played, you know, we came up with 46. That's alarming to me. 100% agree with you. And whenever you have a guy with a super small sample size, I mean, my 49ers have Trey Lance. He only had 18 starts. So what do you see early? Now, if you ask me, I'm impressed with what I see early with Lance. With Mills, you could not have a bigger differential between Mills and Taylor in last week's game. And I know he came in not prepped, but he should be running the scout team preps. He should be, you know, learning the game plan in the QB room. So Taylor, through one half, he left after the first half, 95 QBR. That's excellent. One of the best games of the season will be 95 QBR. Mills, 10. Like one of the worst games of the season. And it was the same team, same defense, same opponent. Let's go. That that was QBR. Let's go PFF grade. Taylor, 80 PFF grade through the first half. Very good. Elite. Mills, 33. That would rank last last season. So they literally went from having a QB performing like one of the better QBs in football. I don't think Taylor is that, but small sample size, he had a great start to the season. To Mills, who looked like the rookie of rookies. Like Gardner Minshew came in in a sixth round draft pick. He came in cold. Nick Foles, you know, injured. Minshew, you're in. Sixth round draft pick. He looked great against the Chiefs or really, really good for a half. Mills, you cannot say that. Very small college sample size, like you said. And what little we've seen in the preseason and in the actual NFL, terrible. Just couldn't be less impressed. Couldn't be more concerned if you're a Texans fan. Unless, like most Texans fans, you just want to lose every game and get a high draft pick. So here's what I came up with, McKenzie. I was digging through... And I noticed last week that he had a completion percentage, just as Davis Mills were talking about, of 44.4%. So I'm like, okay, you know, we don't have a whole lot of data to work with this guy. So I'm like, well, let me go through, see what he did in the preseason, if he played or whatever. And he actually played all three games. He was 10 for 27 in in one game, 10 for 16 in another, and then 11 for 22 in another. So I didn't add up McKenzie to get the percentage, but overall, Counting last week in the three preseason games, he was 39 for 83 across four games. My guess is somewhere, McKenzie, is probably, you know, 47% completion percentage. My gut feeling says that would probably rank, I mean, it would have to almost rank like last last in the league. I mean, that that's just my guess. But what's the percentage of that, 39 out of 83? Your math is excellent, Sleep. 47% exactly. And the numbers you just read, that one that jumps out to me is four for four. He's played four games. He's gone over 50%, which would be last in the league. Zero times. He's gone worse than that every single time. Wow, those preseason numbers are really eye-popping. I was pretty you know, down on him from just seeing half of football, but those preseason numbers clinch it. The only sample size we have of Davis Mills is worse than bad. Now, I will give him credit, McKenzie. You know, he's here for a reason. You know, he has to be you know, a pretty, a pretty good quarterback in order to actually be, you know, a third string quarterback on an NFL team. But one of the things I heard that was alarming is that Stanford was supposed to be 
nowhere near as good as they were, you know, in years past that had he stayed on the team this year, he actually would have looked bad. And there was a chance maybe that he wouldn't even have been drafted. Now, I mean, that that's, you know, just report stuff on, on the news and and, you know, they say all kinds of craziness. So you never you never really know what to believe. But here's one of the things that I came across. He's played in four games, as we just mentioned, McKenzie. He has 47% completion percentage, but he also has five interceptions, you know, in those four games. So he's averaging, you know, 47% completions and he's averaging one interception, you know, per game. Actually, let me go back a little bit, McKenzie, and and kind of fix this a little bit. Yes, he played in four games. But he actually only played, if you actually add up, because he played a half, a half, a half, and then another half, he actually only played two full games, and he has five interceptions. So I don't know if that makes you even more concerned, but I guess it does to me, being that the sample size is now smaller for the games, but the five interceptions still stands true. Yeah, and and what I mean with the – I understand he didn't play the full games, but five or four different outings, he got up out of bed – put his helmet on, and zero times, zero percent, he was able to complete half of his passes. To your point, his actual counting stats look worse and worse. If you say five interceptions in two games, that's that's almost the full DeLome. That's that's close to the full DeLome, DeLome being four interceptions in a game before being pulled. But five in two, in two, in about, you know, three and a half quarters, not good. So here's another concern that I have, and I think – I think that this is probably going to ring true now. I think maybe later on in the season it might not. But you have to consider the fact that Watson was a starting quarterback for this team. You know, he knows some of the guys on the team. He he worked with those guys. And then it was like, all right, well, Deshaun's not going to be on the team. Tyrod Taylor's going to be our guy. I'm guessing that Davis Mills probably with guys like Cooks and guys like Ingram and David Johnson – that he has actually very, very limited amount of reps with those guys because the preseason was only three games. There was a week off, and then it was, well, let's get right into, you know, week one, week two, or whatever the case might be. What percentage of snaps do you think that he actually got, you know, with this starting group? My gut feeling says, McKenzie, 20% might feel right for him being, you know, third-string backup starting with the starters. Well, Deshaun Watson was playing safety in the summer, so – I don't think he stole a lot of reps from him there, but to your point, and I've actually talked to my uncle about this, about how the league has changed. It used to be where your first string, second string, third string QB would get snaps, would get, you know, uh, some time with their, with the starting center and the whole deal. Not the case right now with the limited practice, with the reduced schedule that the collective bargaining agreement has brought upon the NFL. Either you're starting and you're getting 100% of the snaps in practice. Now, this is practice, not training camp, different. Either you're starting. And you're, I mean, that's Bill's this week. He's going to get 100% of the snaps. They're going to try to get him ready, but it's a short week. Last week, he got zero snaps with the first team. I'm confident in saying that. And now in two days, two days of practice plus you know a flight back from Cleveland, the odds are he's not going to have the rapport that you would want for a starting NFL caliber quarterback with his teammates. And the fact that we're talking about, he's not going to have the rapport with those guys, 47% completion percentage. I'm not going to bet that it's going to go down, but I'm going to say that there's probably a pretty strong chance unless he's dumping it off to the running backs that he probably doesn't exceed 47% completions. And 
you know, in the small sample size that we have, you know, it, it says that, you know, that's kind of the guy that he, who he is. But, you know, what I do want to talk about here, Mackenzie, I don't want to just continuously beat up on this guy. <laughs> but what I do want to ask you is, what has the line done in Vegas since Tyrod went out now to Davis Mills? You know, where did the line open up? Where's it at now? You know, where do we think it's going? I think that's important because, you know, if we want to make a bet now, you know, we have to do it now. If we think the line's going to move, you know, in our favor or against us and then, you know, vice versa with, you know, if it moves against us. In the last six hours, we've seen this line move from seven and a half up to eight in most places. I'm looking at eight and a half right now at DraftKings. I wouldn't be surprised if even by this time tomorrow, it's it's eight and a half, nine most places. I think a lot of people are doing the same math that we are. Now let's talk about the adjustment. A small part of the adjustment has to be that the Carolina Panthers looked great. They beat the Saints by 20-something. Maybe a point upgrade for them. So take that out. That means that the transitive property, the Texans have been downgraded four points and counting by the market just from switching Tyrod Taylor, himself a backup quarterback in most situations, to Davis Mills. This was three and a half at the open. The moment that Taylor was announced out, it reopened at seven and a half, and as we've seen betters, that was the bookies' minds, Better say that's not enough. It's been going up. So probably at this point, safe to say there's a five-point adjustment from Tyrod Taylor, not a starting-level quarterback in many people's opinions, you know, borderline top 30, to Davis Mill, probably top 60 at this point. But to your point, we don't have to bash him. We don't have to continuously bash him. We can just make money at his expense, and it's very telling there are no Davis Mills props out there because I was thinking he's going to throw an interception. He's going to go under his total. He's going to get sacked. And I still think all those things are true, but I can't bet it directly. So there's other ways to attack it. I think what we're going to end up seeing with, at least with the player props with Mills in mind, is they're going to wait for the actual betting market with the line, you know, with the side and the total to kind of go ahead and, and, and at least be the predictor of where they should be with him because you know, if they just come and throw out some crazy number of, you know, 201 and a half, God only knows how many people are going to attack it. Or if they go ahead and throw out, you know, a minus 140 intercept. If there's a minus, if he's minus 210, <laughs> I would probably lay off the interception. But if there's something that's, you know, minus 140, minus 150, um, I don't think it, there probably wouldn't be any sharp guys that, that hesitate to pull the trigger on that. But like I said, let's not bury this guy, you know, completely because I'm sure we can go ahead and find some positives for Houston. I think one of the positives for them is the fact that they went into the preseason as, you know, probably the worst team in the league where they have four, four and a half wins for their, you know, season win total. They, they won a couple games in preseason. They go into week one and I'm, were they an underdog in week one, McKenzie? Because they won outright when they beat Jacksonville. They closed as a three and a half point dog in the summer when it first opened. It was one and a half. It was three by the first week of the season, and then more and more money against the Texans on Sunday, week one. Closed Jaguars plus three and a half. The Jaguars might be the worst team in the league. And like last week, you know, they played, you know, I would say fairly well against Cleveland. I mean, it was a 31-21 loss for them, but still, you know, only a 10-point loss for them, and they ended up covering that spread. But my concern is that this team might look like this is a impending doom type of situation where Watson's not going to play. Tyrod's going to be out for four games and everything that they built up a lot of uh, I want to say there was a lot of adrenaline with that team heading into the preseason because there was nothing but disrespect and then heading into week one I think a lot of that adrenaline was just flowing and they went and they won that game but I think they probably came back down to earth 
somewhat last week, you know, going on the road, going into Cleveland, um, you know, they end up losing Tyrod. And then it was just like, oh, and I think maybe a week uh, to set in is just like, here's where we're at in reality right now. So let's not bury this guy completely, McKenzie. But what I do want to do is I want to talk a little bit about Carolina. You mentioned one thing that I actually disagreed with. You said that they played well last week or they played very good or something like that. I actually think Carolina underperformed last week. Like they didn't have like that game where they just looked super flashy. Like it was the game that they really wanted to get under their belt. I feel like this is that game. Like if they go in and they, let's say they don't cover, that's a monster disappointment. If they don't go out and probably have, I want to say, if you wrap up all the games at the end of the year and they could point their finger at one game, they could say that was the best game of the year. That was the game that that they didn't even stand a chance. Sam did his thing. All our guys did everything. The defense did everything. Like, this should be the game. This should be the circle of the wagons. I'm going to go out, and we're going to kick your ass on the road, and we're going to be 3-0, and and then we'll figure it out in Dallas when we get there. That is a sharp, only-in-dreams type moment because the knee-jerk takeaway from the Panthers killing the Saints last week is that they played the perfect game. You dig into the numbers – they only ran for 2.7 yards per carry. Sam Darnold had under 100 passer rating. If you look at their offensive performance by DVOA, a great way to sum it all up, Football Outsiders produces offensive and defensive DVOA. Week one versus the Jets, they won 0% DVOA, meaning they were dead average on offense. All right, well, they killed the Saints. They must have done better there. A little bit better, 4% DVOA on offense. That's slightly better than average. I agree with you 100%. Not only the Panthers, but Sam Darnold himself wants to make a statement. If this is a good team, not an average team that happens to be 2-0, and they got to they gotta start churning the points. They got to be putting up some numbers. Put fear in the, in the eyes of their next opponent. Drop a number on the, on the terrible Texans team. And I think that they have to. I think they have to go in and get everything rolling here. One, it's going to help their confidence totally that they can go on the road and win and beat a good team in Dallas. But I think they really need to get the confidence going to, you know, let's say they do lose. They could say, you know what, we put three good games together. We put one of our best performances over the last couple of years, you know, under our belt. This was a good team that we lost against if they do just go into Dallas and lose. But I think Carolina is going to give, you know, some team fits. I think Darnold has actually been, I'll say, slightly above average. He's been averaging 290 yards passing a game. Uh, he has three TDs on a season, just one interception. You know, McCaffrey's doing his thing on the ground. He's doing his thing through the air as usual. I think he has like 310 all-purpose yards in two games. You know, the Panthers are getting production from the guys that they need to get it from. They need to get it from McCaffrey. You know, they need to get it from Darnold. But, you know, to me, McKenzie, I think this defense is actually underrated. And I might need to move them up. And more than likely, if they go out and have a very strong performance, this Carolina Panthers defense is going to be the defense that I move the most within the first three games. They're number one in total yards allowed, number one in passing yards allowed, number one in rushing yards allowed, and number one in points per games allowed. So I don't know if, and, and I understand, look, like, look, you had Jameis, you had the Saints, you, you know, you, you beat up on the Jets or whatever the case might be. But if they win three games and they go on the road here and they win another one and they show up impressively on defense again, I think I have no choice but to move them up. But here's one of the things that I do, McKenzie, and I do this in college a lot, is when a team on defense has eye-popping stats like 
they allow less than 50 yards rushing a game. And that's where we're at right now with the Carolina Panthers. I think they allowed like 45 and 48. I mean, Alvin Kamara ran for five yards. I can run for more than five yards. You can. I know you could <laughs> against any defense in the league. You're going to get five yards. So the fact that that happened, I think that that team is going to believe that they are that good in rushing defense. And if you look at the Texans right now, their best asset right now is probably their running game. And that's sad. That 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 worries me that, that that's probably how they're going to have to win this game. And they're going up against a team right now that's basically to see them blood in the water at the defensive line. And you have Davis Mills trying to beat you with 47 completions and, you know, five interceptions. And we'll just call it two full games. It worries me. And I think the Panthers defense, you know, they, they can set the tone and the offense could just go out there and do what they're asked to do and, and get the ball to McCaffrey and have Darnold go out and complete his passes to DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson. And I think we're going to look, it's going to look like a well-oiled machine McKenzie. And I don't know what the Texans are going to look like. My gut feeling says it's going to look ugly. It's going to be a mess and that this game ends up probably somewhere. My gut feeling is like a 31, 10, 31, 13. I don't know if the Texans can get over their team total right now which is 17. And you and I were looking at the team total on FanDuel for the Panthers. It was lined at like 26 or something like that. So the team total difference was like nine. And then we're, we were talking in the line seven and a half. So something's not adding up there, at least with those numbers too. You mentioned the Carolina defense, number three ranked week one against the Jets. They topped that number one ranked defense last week by DVOA. Now, you guys can just call me rushing game Mac because I feel like I can tell any story through the rushing game, and you're exactly right with the Texans. They want to run. They want to protect themselves in that way, keep the other, keep their defense off the field. Week one against the Jaguars, 41 rushes for 160 yards. Not terribly great efficiency, but they put up 37 points running 41 times. It was clearly something that they prioritized. In week two, they probably would have ran it 41 times, too, if they weren't trailing and if they were getting more production. After Taylor went out, the Browns said, okay, let Mills beat us because you're not going to beat us any other way. We're going to let Mills try to beat us. Only 2.9 yards per carry week two, only 82 yards despite running 28 attempts above league average. I think they're going to try to put it on the ground. Panthers might be, along with the Bucks and the Saints, the one team you can't do that on. They're going to force Mills to try to beat them. Don't think they can. It sounds like you like the side. I'm I'm heavily leaning towards the side, but to me, this is at minimum a great teaser leg. I'll just throw one out there. I think the Ravens have a very good chance of winning at Detroit. So that would be a play for me. Do a teaser on the Panthers and on the Ravens. Both got to cover one and a half. Yeah, I think if you can get the seven and a half, McKenzie, you go ahead, you get yourself in a six and a half point teaser without a doubt. I was thinking that for sure. I don't even think that that's like, you know, one that you consider that's kind of, you have to pretty much auto play that. But look, I, I have no problem laying seven and a half. I don't have any problem laying nine. I think this line's going to end up, you know, closing at nine at kickoff. I think that that's where it's going to be. And I think one of the things we could probably go ahead and wrap up the podcast with McKenzie is we don't know how bad this Texans defense is. Last week, they gave up 31 to Cleveland. And a lot of people are like, well, you know, that game was close. They held Cleveland to 31. If you want to say they held them there. But I'm pretty sure you heard the news, McKenzie, is that Jarvis Landry went out of the game and all the air completely went out of Cleveland. 
offensively, defensively, like that hurt that team. So I wonder where they could have been. You know, could that score have been 38 to 14? Could it have been, you know, 41 to 10? I don't know. But I know one thing coming into the preseason, I had the Texans rated as my worst defense in the league. Now, look, let's give credit where credit's due. You know, they stepped up. They played pretty well. But I just wonder that they're running into a buzzsaw here, which is actually, you know, it's kind of funny to say that about the Panthers. But I have to go back to, I think that this is a circle the wagon game for them. They have to get right. They have to get everything rolling and in the motion. And this is the team you have to do it against. And if you can go on the road and get a good convincing win where your offense and defense are just working together and you can go into Dallas, you know, with some confidence that you can go 4-0, then hell, I think that they, they have a really good chance to not only cover this number, but actually blow this game uh, totally out of the water. So uh, I have no problem laying points here, McKenzie. I think they win this game probably by three touchdowns. There's nothing that I can come up with that tells me to go ahead and take the Texans. And I've been in this position before, McKenzie, where I've handicapped games and I felt extremely confident and the game didn't work out well. And I said, well, what did you want me to say? In my handicap, did you want me to write down that Sam Darnold was going to turn it over three times, that my starting running back was going to go down the second play of the game, and that my kicker was going to miss two, you know, two kicks off the upright? <laughs> like it takes that type of a handicap in order for you. Like I feel like it's that kind of handicap in order for me to get beat. And no professional handicap in the right mind is going to go ahead and say, you know, here's all the crazy shit that's going to happen. Here's how we're going to get beat. And that's the way I feel about this particular game is I need that type of handicap to beat me. And look, it happens. Trust me, it happens. I, it's happened before. And I, I'll tell you, it'll happen again. But I don't believe this is the game that that's going to happen. So um, that's what I'm going to do there, McKenzie. I'm all over Carolina this one. I think they blow this team right out of the water. You convinced me. I, I don't think – I mean, it just only playing devil's advocate is the reason to play the Texans and really not – to play the Panthers, we talked about before the pod, sometimes like you look, like you said, you keep handicapping, you keep handicapping, you look for the devil's advocate argument. And the more you look, the more your first answer seems correct. I haven't finished this study yet. This is something, you know, I love talking sports with you, but my day job, I got to research sports for pregame.com. And one of the studies that I'm, you know, currently a little behind on here at nine o'clock on a Tuesday, hanging out with you is how do new coaches do on Thursday night. Mine and RJ's theory, mostly RJ's, I'll give him credit, but the theory that I'm verifying for him is that when you're a brand new coach like David Cully is, you have a short week, you have less time to repair, less time to get your guys, the operations is not set, you don't know where, where certain things are going to be. They are traveling this week back from Cleveland, late Sunday, early Monday. All bad things line up for the Houston Texans. I think this line is where it is because of the total, but I think it could easily go under and the Panthers win 30 to zero. This has one way traffic written all over it. I agree with you. I will be on not only a teaser, but laying the seven and a half, I will be on the Panthers. I think one of the things we should probably consider is the New Orleans Saints put up 38 points against the Green Bay Packers and then they turned around and they can only put up seven against Carolina. So something's amiss there. And we just saw what Rodgers did last night. Let me bring up one quick thing, Mackenzie, when you were talking about these new coaches. You know, one of the things I noticed over, I'll just say just, just this Sunday, one of the things I noticed, a lot of these new coaches, Mackenzie, they're taking a lot of unnecessary risks where they should be putting points on the board where, the, you know, they're down six and it was like kick the field goal. Nope, they want to go for it on fourth down. 
And I think one of the things that a lot of coaches, and I think this is what we're going to see, you know, over the next couple of years is like, you know, we live in this TikTok world, Mackenzie, where everything is, you have to win now. Everybody wants everything so damn fast. And these coaches probably are sitting, I don't want to say they're on the hot seat, but they know like if something goes wrong and they don't start winning, they're going to be out the door sooner rather than later. I've been watching football since, you know, the, the 1980s. Coaches, it, it took so much work to get some crumb bum coach out the door because you didn't have social media. It was basically uh, the only real vocal outcry that you got was when the team took the field and they were booing when they did something bad. Every every play, Mackenzie, is, is being put under a microscope, you know, on social media. So these coaches now, they know they have to win, and I think they're taking a lot of risks, and it's unnecessary risks. And I think what that's doing is sooner or later it's going to kind of deform where, um, you know, coaches are either going to win games outright or they're not even going to come close to covering the spread. I think it's going to create, you know, wider gaps and wider margins you know, for some of the things that, you know, that we do on a daily basis, at least trying to find correct numbers. So that's just the way I feel. I, I've watched court coaches over the last weekend um, just do shit that, that they probably shouldn't be doing. And, you know, if it, if it pays off, great. You know, they get that big win over that, you know, that marquee team that they probably shouldn't have beat. But in the same breath, um, they're out there losing games and, and, and making themselves look worse because they're out just out there gambling. So I don't know if you notice any of that, but that's one of the concerns I have for some of these new guys. I'm sure not only in mine, but in many people's minds, eye, they have Dan Campbell fourth and one on the 25 yard line, which is not really a great conversion point because you still got to get 24 yards in the toughest part of the field, the red zone. Not only does he go for it on fourth and a long one, but he throws it. He throws for it, which is what coaches like the zeitgeist of the NFL is you got to go for it on fourth down. Like Mike McCarthy says he's into analytics now. He's going super fast, and he's going fourth down at every single time because that's what you do when you're quote-unquote into analytics. And I think you're very, very astute with the point is these games are going to get high leverage. We see this in the NBA. When you're down by five, you used to lose by six. In the last minute, you're down by five, maybe you lose by six. Now, the expected points, you're going to go for a couple long threes. You're probably going to miss them. You're probably going to lose by eight or nine. That difference is a huge advantage for the modern NBA better. I think we're going to see a similar thing in the NFL where these big favorites can cover 11 points like the Packers did last night because the other team's going to be going for it, going to be making probably not well-advised risks. And all you got to do is take advantage of those risks. When they keep blitzing you, zero blitz, throw it over the top for a touchdown. Yeah, and I think we're going to see these high spreads covered You know, when, when we're facing off against these rookie head coaches. I think that makes sense. And it's a good example, too, You know, with the NBA. You know, the seven, seven and a half number, um, it, it didn't seem like it, it was clicking as much as it did in the past, you know, going back to last year. Mackenzie, we only got a couple of weeks left before the NBA uh, tips off. Are you getting excited for that or what? 100%, man. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm not excited for my sleep schedule, but I'm excited for handicapping the two greatest sports to handicap in the world. My favorite, the NFL and the NBA. All right, well, let's go ahead and wrap it up on that. You guys will probably get some uh, NBA stuff from myself and Mackenzie. Mackenzie, I'm going to give you your formal invite now, uh, myself and Jay Smoove. Yes. Uh, you Both of you guys are out there in Vegas. We're going to do an NBA podcast where we talk team totals. We're going to talk all that stuff. So uh, you get the first invite. Uh, actually, you get the second invite. Jay Smoove got the first one, but uh, you're on the list. So that'll be a fun podcast. But you guys know where to find us. Uh, another good podcast for Mackenzie and I. 
Should we pound? I guess you already did pound our chest on last week's total. We absolutely demolished that one. That was a, that was, I don't know. I kind of thought that was just a no brainer, McKenzie, after we broke that game down. I'll just add that Daniel Jones, over 20 and a half rush yards, hit on the first drive of the game. He's, he ran in for a touchdown, 21 yards. I was just like, hopefully he doesn't kneel it down in the fourth quarter, but he ended up with like 100 something. So the, two easy winners for us on that. Good job by us. Let's do it again. All right. Well, we're going to go ahead and nail this one. So officially, McKenzie and I, we're going to go ahead. We'll give out the Panthers in a teaser. Uh, I recommend we go ahead and get that down to minus one. So if you're going to pay a little bit, get the six and a half, get it down to one. And I'll go ahead and I'll play. Carolina Panthers here minus seven and a half minus eight I think it closes nine if even if you get to it late I still feel very very confident um that this game won't be close I see this one ending uh right around three scores so with that said you guys know where to find McKenzie and I you can find us on Twitter at sleepyg underscore pregame at Mac and Rivers and you guys could always find us on the best sports betting information site on the web pregame.com with that said I'd like to wish you guys all the best of luck on your Thursday night enjoy the game <laughs>